Are you an enigma? Now, uh, that's basically asking, are you an enigma? Is, are you a person that is mysterious, puzzling, and even at times difficult to understand? I hope you are. Because if you are an enigma, you're the kind of person that I would love to get to know. To me, the more an individual is mysterious, puzzling, and even, yes, difficult to understand, that to me is someone that I really would enjoy talking with. Because it's like a puzzle, trying to figure it out, how it all fits together. Well, an individual that I have found from the very beginning to be an enigma in my life, <laughs> Miss Janelle. Wow, what an introduction. Have you ever been told that? <laughs> have you ever been told that you're an enigma? <laughs> Not really. Really? I'm pretty easy to figure out. Oh, no way. Yeah, I think so. Well, because you've had, you know, 60 years to figure yourself out. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. That would make you, what, 75? Oh, smack. Booyah. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. I mean, happy birthday. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> happy Father's Day to all of our uh, yes. fathers out there, either that are biological fathers or have played the role of fathers in other people's lives. And I hope you enjoy your Sunday. I got uh, your messages plans? from both of my uh, daughters. What are my plans? My, my plans are to work and then I'm going to go home <laughs> and eat lunch and uh -huh. watch formula one and probably <laughs> end up taking a nap sounds so, good <laughs> yeah exactly what i do every sunday when right. formula one is in season is that so oh yeah i love to watch my daughter my youngest daughter enjoys uh -huh. it too oh yeah so i we always i always you can call watch her together right? no well i mean she's somewhere else so she watches it, and then when I'm done watching uh -huh. it, I'll call her, and then we go back and forth. Nice. Yeah, and my wife tolerates it. But she knows. <laughs> I, my wife has learned all the name of the different drivers. And, has she? Oh, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, well, she can converse and dialogue with you as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, very quick. She, mm -hmm. she is, of all the, the women in my life, she is the ultimate enigma. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah. Really? It's, oh, but it's fun. <laughs> it's like I continue to learn about her. I continue. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Keep them it, guessing. That's our motto. <laughs> yeah, but we're always changing and growing. So, but that's our focus today. Our focus is enigmas and the mystery of life. Ooh. Wow. That's big. There was a guy by the name of Harry Emerson Fosdick. This is the book where you, if you're ever interested, it's sermons he preached at Riverside Church, which is an amazing church of itself. Oh, I'm sure. With him at the helm? But Fosdick wow. is... Oh, he's fun to read. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say I've never read anything by him. And yeah, if he were still alive, I think I'd be going to that church. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> we would just have to take the jet over to New York on, uh -huh. on Sunday, Sunday mornings morning. and then hopefully get back in time to work here. Mm. Yeah, maybe. So maybe not. We're gonna. <laughs> you might go work for Father Dick. I might. <laughs> you see, you are an enigma. Uh -huh. Always surprising. 
So with that in mind, with Janelle and her enigmatis, is that a is that a word? That is not a word. A disease? <laughs> that sounds horrible. We'll be right back. Enigmatic tendencies. How about that? Ooh, that's really sounds professional. Oh, and learned. It does. I'm so smart. We're going to take a quick break, and afterwards, we'll be back with the monologue. I remember as a child being told, in a, not in these exact words, but being told that I was an enigma because I always was asking questions. I was always trying to learn. I felt like a sponge, always trying to soak up new information. Things appeared to be exciting and new. So when the opportunity came to go to school, yeah, I actually look forward to it because that meant new discoveries, new learning. So when I was in grade school, I had this mentality. Everything was brand new, learning. But by the time I reached my senior year and moved into college, I began to think pretty highly of myself. I began to grow confident that I was educated. I considered myself more knowledgeable than I had been. And with that came a degree of confidence that I could enter into conversations with other people. Then I went to graduate school and I worked on my master's and then I worked on my PhD. And through that process, I realized something. All of this, quote, knowledge that I had, which I did have, was just the small little layer on the outside when it came to understanding all the mysteries of life. And I began to realize how little I knew, not only in my area of study, my, my field, my, quote, expertise, how little I knew about that, and then how much I didn't know about all areas of life. And more and more, life became, for me, a grand mystery, an enigma. Harry Emerson Fosdick, in a sermon one time, I think he captured my experience when he said a young person, as they age, will discover, discover if they are wise, they know less. Now, I think that's the key right there, that phrase right caught in the middle, if they are wise. And I think, and this is just purely my opinion, I think there comes a time in a person's life where maybe they have this opportunity to either move to the side of being wise or they just kind of bury their head and move forward. Because the being wise is understanding what you do not know. There are so many mysteries around our world and nature, and not only that, but there's mysteries around being a human being. Fosdick talked about this in his sermon, The Mystery of Life, when he quoted Professor Gene and he said, the ultimate realities of the universe are at present. And again, this is the early 20th century when Fosdick quoted this individual. The ultimate realities of the universe are at present quite beyond the reach of science and may be and probably are forever beyond the comprehension of the human mind. 
Now, again, in the 21st century, it's easy to get this sense of confidence, this sense of knowing. But again, the more you know, the more you realize that every discovery actually opens a brand new door with new areas to pursue and to study and to learn. When it came to human beings, Fosdick went even further. He said that every human life involves an unfathomable mystery, every human life. For man is the riddle of the universe. And the riddle of man is his endowment with personal capacities. And then as an example, he says, the stars are not as strange as the mind that studies them, that analyzes their life and measures their distance. So for Fosdick, he saw not only the mysteries of our world and nature, but he saw that ultimately man, human beings, are a mystery in of themselves. Honestly, the majority of our days, we are not aware of the mystery surrounding us. We get so caught up in our, our routines. We're busy with all the things that we do from day to day. But every once in a while, something marvelous or even traumatic happens. What we would label as out of the ordinary. And at those moments, we are awakened to the mysteries that surround us that are ever-present, even when we don't notice them. Now, one reason why, perhaps, we are so busy in our daily routines is because we do believe or sense that life is a mystery, and that can frighten us. That means there's something we don't know. As children and even moving into adulthood, many of us crave certainty a sense of control, a sense of direction, where we're moving. When a young child wants a nightlight on, that gives them a certain amount of comfort, even though the darkness still exists. All that has happened is the nightlight has pushed the darkness a little bit further back. As, you, as adults, we also fear the dark. We are afraid of what we cannot see, what we cannot understand, what we cannot know. Yes, the mysteries of life themselves. But when it's, once you become comfortable with these mysteries, once you wrap your head around this idea that all of life is a mystery, one of the results of that is a tendency to resist trusting in dogmatism. What is dogmatism? Dogmatism is the tendency to lay down principles as incontrovertibly true, without consideration of evidence or the opinions of others. It's one of those, well, how do you know it's true? I just know. That's dogmatism. Believing in something no matter what, even when someone presents new evidence, dogmatic individuals tend to hold firm. But those individuals who have accepted the mysteries of life tend to not trust those who are dogmatic. Fosdek said, whenever you see anyone over against, standing over against the mysteries of life, 
whipping off finalities as though he could settle it. Distrust that person. The reality is, when it comes to dogmatism, it doesn't matter if it arises in religious circles or non-religious circles. But what I find fascinating, and Fosdick points this out, is that this acknowledgement that life is full of mysteries, that human beings are a mystery, that disturbs some religious people. Why? Because they want an explanation. They want to understand. And maybe that's the reason why there is so, such high value placed upon the certainties, the certitudes that they see coming from either the Bible or ministers. Many individuals see the Bible as the inspired word of God, as an authority in their life. Why? Because they believe that it was expressed, written by God. It contains God's thoughts. And because of that, within the Bible, one can find the will of God for humanity and what God plans for the future. But when you read the Bible, it's, it's hard to understand. It of itself is an enigma. And because of that, we often turn to individuals we call ministers to interpret it for us, to inform us. The difficulty, however, is often ministers and those who educate them often take and have the tendency to take these interpretations of the Bible and over time mold them and shape them into dogmatics. And the mystery of life and the world and humanity slowly begins to dissipate. The writer of 1 Corinthians, who many people believe to be Paul, caught the essence of this mystery of humanity when he said in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly. The Moffat translation, which Fosdick prefers, says, at present, we only see the baffling or the perplexing reflections in a mirror. Everything has a little bit of a hue to it. Everything is skewed just a little, a little bit out of focus. And that is why when you've accepted that life is full of mysteries, you distrust dogmatism, and you are thankful that we live in such a wonderful, enigmatic world, and that the world is full of one mystery after another. You and I are going to finish off this week and it may go by very quickly because we will be caught up in the various routines that are waiting for us and that we have to carry out once again. However, I ask you to pause, to take time this week, and perhaps you will catch a glimpse of the mysteries that surround you. And if you do, revel in that. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. And I want to say if you're listening online, you can get and be a part of the conversation by texting 480-389-4974. If you're watching this after the fact and it's not live, you can still send us your comments, your questions, and you would just email them to media at beatitudeschurch.org. So that's M-E-D-I-A. And we will get back to you as soon as possible. Where has William Fosdick been all my life? Or Harry? Uh, Sorry. Harry, Harry Emerson Fosdick. Where has he been? Well, I think he's been dead. I Well, obviously. <laughs> but why have I not caught on to this? He's magnificent. Oh, he's fun to read. Oh. And I love the, the way that he chooses yes. to use grammar and his syntax. Thank and, you. So yeah. the, the prose of it. And yes. I love the craft of writing, and yeah. he nails it. Oh yeah, he's very—he's <laughs> he's so good. He's—he—he he was definitely a manuscript preacher. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah what's his preaching style like? I wonder. I've, I've never heard him. But, right. But to be at Riverside Church, yeah, uh, you got to be good because <laughs> speakers from all over the world would come and be guest speakers at Riverside. It was considered oh. a great honor, really, to to be there. Yeah. So Riverside is what denomination? It is, I believe, congregational. Oh, okay. I believe so. All right. Well, gosh, you talked a little bit about, um, and I think he he touched on it too, when you were talking about taking a moment. There are moments in our lives when something happens and we lift our eyes to see the mystery and to ponder it. And I thought right away, I had that incident in New York when I was there a week ago. And I'm in the natural... Oh, rub it in again. Rub it in again. Just hear me out. (laughs) I'm in the Natural History Museum. Yes. And there is a skeleton of a dinosaur Mm. that expands two huge rooms. I mean, this is ginormous. Mm. And at that moment, you just kind of think, wow, how in the world were things that large roaming the earth? I felt so small. And of course, that's what he's talking about is it's feeling that insignificance. But then you can go two directions, can't you? You can feel overwhelmed or you can be um, awe-inspired. Agreed. So that's when religion comes in. And so my question is, what does religion do for us? Well, I think it, it has to have some positiveness. Yeah, I think religion can allow us to. I think religion, if if you look back at the history or the evolution of religion, mm-hmm. it was trying to make sense of the mysteries, yeah, to kind of tame them down because to a certain degree, when we you we realize the the mysteries of life. Those things that we now take for granted of knowing, if you didn't know them, those mm-hmm. were pretty unsurmountable challenges. Agreed. For example, if you're, if all of a sudden it's not raining anymore mm-hmm. and the creeks are drying up mm-hmm. and you don't have access to food, you don't have access, the animals begin to, to move on mm-hmm. to live somewhere, to look for you're water. You're talking early Yes, Almost the er, the early time. history okay. of of our of our species. Gotcha. Uh, you had to try to find a way to explain that. 
Uh-huh. And one of the ways of doing that was to believe in a God. And if you could somehow earn or appease this God's favor, then yeah. God would bless you or the gods would bless you in different ways. Yeah, polytheism. Was... Yeah, so it, it really became a way of trying to tame down the mysteries of life. And, to, and we are fortunate as a species to be able to have that ability. The challenge, however, is to become really think we're all that and we walk away, we don't pay attention to the mysteries as much anymore. Right. And then we try to box it in and and put some rules around it and Exactly. And it's a way of just having control. And again, that I'm not speaking out against completely against control because if we didn't have control, if we didn't have this certitude, Mm-hmm. we could have a lot of problems and we may not be in existence as a species. For example, look at the pandemic. Yeah. And our knowledge, we, I mean, here was this virus that was a mystery to us mm-hmm. and how quickly homo sapiens were able to get, <laughs> and, you know, get around it and, yeah. and get their hands on it and try to restore try. some <laughs> sense of normality. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> By the way. But again, that I think is an example of where this these are mysteries, but human species have the ability to tackle them. And at times they win. But every what I find fascinating is mm-hmm. it seems like every time we kind of begin to solve this mystery, and we know we haven't solved this one on the coronavirus, but when we solve something, something new will open up. And it opens up a brand new area, a new field to, to look into. Which is so hopeful. I That's what I got from the entire sermon. It's just the, the look, <laughs> taking a different angle. He's so good, gosh. Yeah. Well, um, I, think, I think if you look at, for example, for those, when there was a time when I believed in creation, a literal <clears throat> six-day creation. Mm-hmm. Life, the world was seen uh, to me as more static. God created it. Yeah. God saw it as good. Uh-huh. So the world almost became static. Yes, there were mysteries. Yeah. But once I shifted and I began to to study and then eventually accepted evolution, mm-hmm. that changed a lot. Yeah. Because if the world if the world is continuing to evolve, mm-hmm. either in macro or micro levels, right then it makes sense that the mysteries continue to exist. Right. We're never going to get our head around it. I agree. I think that's such an arrogant. <laughs> right. And, and there is a balance because if we don't try to understand the mysteries of life, yeah, something can rise up that can wipe us out. But yet on the other side, we can become so enraptured in uh, think so highly of ourselves mm-hmm. That we lose out on something, that which is to me the mysteries and the appreciation and the awe moments in our life. So, this is another book I picked up this week, and I may not give it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Healthy Religion: A Psychological Guide to a Mature Faith. How do you know this person, Walter Kenya? Kenya, PhD. yeah, Kenya, PhD. Mm-hmm. He was a member of uh, one of the churches I served yeah. in years past. Wow. Yep. Well, I'm impressed. So he's quoting somebody, Huston Smith. 
Houston, Houston, okay. Smith, I, I don't know, in his book, Why Religion Matters, says that because the human mind cannot come within light years of comprehending God's nature, think of God as a direction rather than an object. Mm -hmm. Wow. That well, well, for some individuals that do not see God in a theistic, theistic sense, a right. God that is actively engaged in our world, a God that is seen more as a being or an entity. But there are some individuals that believe that the word God is a synonym for life itself. Mm. And if you see it also then as a direction, the movement of life, mm -hmm. that kind of captures that same idea. Um, he goes on to say that some significant thoughts about the nature of religion. He stated that religion is basically the relationship of the soul to God. Mm. That's that's good. <laughs> yeah. So I came away from this so hopeful. And I think it really struck me just because from my back, you know, I grew up with a nuclear physicist for a father. So <laughs> science has <laughs> never been an issue in my house. But he's a very religious man. Mm -hmm. And so it always fascinated me that he would come to a, a, a point and he would say, Janelle, look, there's just something out there that science has not, cannot explain. And that's where he went to God at that point. So um, Einstein also <laughs> had some things to say about religion. Well, I think when you're, when you're exposed to the mysteries of life, and Fosdick brings this out in his sermon. He talks about that the dogmatism that we often find in religion to try to dismiss those mysteries, Yeah, they can not only appear in the religious realm, but they also appear in the non-religious realm. Mm -hmm. There are individuals who are so confident that there is no God in whatever explanation you give to try to explain what that God is, in what... I think Fosdick is saying is there's extremes on both sides and we need to perhaps be willing to make a stance, take a, a view, but hold it in a sense of tentativeness. True. Um, Einstein said that. By the way, he's really, he was a good man. Who? Einstein. <laughs> yeah, but I read a novel one time that he took more credit than he for his discoveries. Yeah, we he and I disagreed in those areas. No, it wasn't you, it was his wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but some of those concepts and she was a brilliant woman anyway. Anyway, so he says these three sources evoke religious notions in us. They are fear, social feelings, and cosmic religious feelings. Mm. And he maintains that serious scientific workers are the only profoundly religious people. Wow. Um, what do you think? Uh, I, I think there's <laughs> mysteries throughout life, and that's where you can see mysteries not only in the positive, what we would call positive things out of our life, mm -hmm. the birth of a child, mm -hmm. um, the, the celebration of achievements in an individual's life, but we can also see the mysteries of life in the dramatic. 
What do you mean? The the unknown things that happen. The yeah. the things that, for example, the natural catastrophes that affect our world. Yeah. The coronavirus. Yeah. And how it <laughs> continues to mutate. I mean, those are those are mysterious things that and so I don't know if it's limited to the scientist. I think it's limited depending upon how tight we have the blinders around our eyes. You know, I think there's some individuals. Yeah, it's our attitude. Exactly. I think there's some individuals who have more tunnel vision where there's others mm -hmm. that have kind of that wide lens mm -hmm. way that they look at the world. So, and, and that may tie back into personality, that may tie into the way an individual is socialized, the way that they are True. raised in our True. world. I mean, there's so many factors in that. And that itself is a, a mystery. <laughs> We're just an enigmatic planet, aren't we? We are. And we are <laughs> enigmatic as human beings. Or humanity, that's what I, I meant. Yes. I think it's so easy, though, Janelle. The tendency is is when we see something that is different from us. Yeah. It, the tendency is to to maybe judge it and oh, evaluate sure. it mm -hmm. rather than just see it as, you know, if someone acts a certain way or does something, uh, it's so easy to be judgmental of that because of our perspective. Mm -hmm. But what would happen if we could just step back before we pass judgment and just go, huh? Just a very simple, uh -huh. huh? Yeah. That, that sounds. I, that sounds. I think that would be great. That sounds educated, huh? Huh? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I think it needs to be. Yeah, that's. It's our filter, right? Like, I can't. I mean, you watch someone that that does something horrible. Mm-hmm to either themselves or to another individual. And it's so easy to... Right, you can't get a step back and go, huh, your first thought is, well, it look, what it, an it, awful human being. Yes, and we pull out the evil word. What an evil human being. Oh. <laughs> and once, you, you, once yes. you term someone as evil, then you basically have kind of like written them off. Uh-huh. Because that, that is, how do you change evil? Some people, you know, if you would say well, that you can convert them, well, yeah, you can convert them, but we're still going to leave them locked up and away from society. Yeah. So we admit that there's these mysteries of life, but it's so easy to just be judgmental of that. But there are individuals who become inquisitive and try to understand what brought about this behavior. But it's after the fact, isn't it? Well, at least for me it is initially from, i'm just like but we learned from that boom. right but for those individuals who are fascinated by that who are fascinated by psychology and anthropology and yeah. sociology those individuals when they see that right they they learn and then use that as a means of preventing something from happening again true and that's why it's so easy, for example, when we see these mass murders, to either say it's evil, and that's the problem, is the evil in our world, or it's just guns in our world. Life, it, it, that alone, why these things happen, is a mystery mm -hmm. that we need to continue to explore. And as we learn, 
implement those changes in our world. So is humanity just not brave? Explain, <laughs> explain, well, your, explain your question. Like, if, um, it's, it's fear-based. When, when you see mysteries in life, I think our, our automatic reaction is fear is to... Restrict. Yeah, and, and try to explain it. Fight or flight. Yeah, so yeah. we're just a bunch of cowards. It's called survival. It's <laughs> how you survive. <laughs> so how do we evolve past that? How do we get courage? I think it happens by awareness uh -huh. of oneself and one's strengths and one's limitations. And then to understand the same in our in our the world that surrounds us, and to be okay to sit in uncertainty. Yeah, that that's scary. Yes, especially that's when, why I'm saying we need to be brave. Especially when emotions are involved. Oh yeah, it's a lot easier to go intellectual than it is to mm -hmm. to sit with that fear. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's the goal is then to figure it out why so to dissipate the fear. The reality from this is what therapists will tell you, but what they tell you and how you live it out is, is <laughs> right. really different sometimes. <laughs> but they say that if you sit with an emotion, as painful as it is, for example, fear, uh -huh. that it will slowly wane. It will slowly go away. And that's part of the process. I think the challenge for a lot of us is we don't even want to feel the pain of fear no. or feel the pain of loss. And so, and for me, I just want answers because that—that certainty—that's that dissipates a way of trying to push down that emotion and not have to feel it. Yeah, is we convince ourselves that we have this certainty, and the more <laughs> we can talk about how or act like we understand God, yeah, then the more security we get. True. So if something happens and a person is facing a medical challenge or a financial challenge, then just to, people will say, have faith. <laughs> and that faith gives them a sense of comfort because something that is what we believe, again, think about the attributes that we put on God, that God is all-powerful, Yeah. God is all-knowing, uh -huh. therefore God can solve this. Right. And if I can't understand why God would act this way, then I just have more faith. Because right. ultimately, the belief that God is good. Or we're running away from responsibility. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. So, <laughs> spiritually, I don't know how that works. Well, think about it. There are some people that are, an event can happen, and some people can see it as, a blessing from God, and at the same time, given the same event, mm -hmm. someone on the other side says, this was a curse from God. This was not a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's all a matter of perspective where you're sitting and how you see the world and the circumstances around you. True. But again, I think you're right in the sense that fear is a big part, is a big Huge. drive to try. And, and think about it. We we play on each other's fears all the time. Oh yeah, I feed off of you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but kidding. it ain't it ain't fear you're getting from me. Oh, not. <laughs> 
I think about what you're you... not scared of anything. Oh yeah, think about <laughs> I, I hate snakes. Uh, think about I'll remember that. Oh no, no, I love snakes. <laughs> think, see, I'm cursed either way because if I tell you I love snakes, you'll give me one, and if I tell you I hate them, you'll still <laughs> you'll give still me give one. You'll still give me one. Yeah. Yep. I th I listen sometimes and remember when I was a parent. Uh huh. Um, I'm <laughs> so stupid as a parent. I used to say to my daughter. Sometimes she would do something or not do something I had asked her to. Uh -huh. And I would say to her, you want a spanking? Uh -huh. That is such a dumb question. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> My daughter was smart enough. She could have caught me off guard and said, yes. Yes. <laughs> bring it. But, it. but what it was was a little bit, you know, bring it. But that was a little bit <clears throat> trying to use fear to control their behavior. Right. And, and politicians are experts at this. Ministers can be experts at using fear to yeah. try to control Very true. people and and or create the fear and then give them a, a solve a salve to kind of tame it mm -hmm. and then they're then they're happy when you say salve are you talking biblically biblically a certain picture of god uh -huh. There's individuals who can often tell us oh, yeah. what God is and why things happen in our world and what God is doing. God is anthropomorphic. Yes. Isn't that a great word? Yeah. It it's means that <laughs> he has tendencies of human beings or, you know, in our mind, looks like us. Well, think about it. That's the only way that we can talk about God mm -hmm. is through human perspective and through our understandings that's the only way we can talk about i mean that's that is our language right. we are limited when it comes to talking about god to language if you god then and you have a struggle with this yes i know this if god is the ultimate mystery mm -hmm. How and do you language talk and language is inadequate to capture that mystery yeah then shh <laughs> It might be, I still want a word. It might I be best to say nothing at all. There's some individuals who believe that once you say something about God, uh -huh. you've missed it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. And so, but again, isn't that, think the mystery, just the mystery of God becomes at, it, difficult to wrap our minds around so we want to figure god out so because... how do we unwire that exactly <laughs> that's a great question janelle i don't know i told you you were enigma to me <laughs> I, I i don't know i don't know the answer to that i because part of it maybe is human nature i don't yeah. that we want and we need for because me, that it's helps reinforced by reading Fosdick. All of a sudden, that came into my life this week, and it reinforced for me yes. the hope. Well, the hope of what? I mean, do you hope someday to have an answer? No, no, the hopefulness of being of living in the mystery. Yes. But that's a good thing. Yes, and to accept that. And maybe it's individuals like Fosdick, and now maybe even yourself— Mm -hmm. that when you have conversations with other people yeah you, that you, you can turn the, the tide on it and, and 
yeah. and not have to, it, rather than rushing away from the mystery, being able to kind of model sitting with the mystery. Yeah, let's just look at this and Which can try be, not to rationalize it. <laughs> just sit there and... Yeah. <laughs> so hard. Well, how do you, how do you explain to someone what love is if they've never experienced love? How do you experience some... You'll just know it when you... <laughs> Isn't that the patent answer? You'll just know it. Yeah, I. but again, it's it's how do you, how do you describe the, those things that are mysterious, that are... And we it's, love... It's, it, I know what it, it's not. But isn't it... A, yes. But isn't That's one it, way to do it. I but, know it's not. And there's some people this. believe the only way to talk to about God is to say what God is not. Yeah. But, but it's it's a paradox to me that human human beings on the one side we want certainty, certainty, uh -huh. but on the other side we like the mystery, we like the no, unknowing, we like to be, if you would, scared. Why do we go to haunted houses? I don't. <laughs> Who are you talking to? But you know what I mean? It's a, it, there are things, times when we like that element of being afraid. If we feel more, we feel more alive. alive. Why? Because that's part of our evolution background, yeah, okay. which is All fight right. or flight. Mm -hmm. you, everything, yeah. And I think that's where we, in some ways, we value the mysteries. In other ways, we have to be able to try to deal with them. And, and a lot of people just don't get to this level of wanting to talk about it. And that's, I guess that's a mystery in itself. <laughs> why they, do, why, what is it? Why that doesn't everybody want to talk about this stuff? Yeah. Says Tony Manier. Yeah. Every person, Philosopher. every person is a mystery in, in it of themselves. Yeah. They have their own background. They have their own makeup. They have their own experiences. Yeah. And what fun it is to be able to meet new people. I agree. Completely. That's why for me, I it's and part of it is just being an introvert. Is I would much rather have a conversation with one or maybe two or three people uh -huh. than just the you know the glad handing that comes along with large groups. And I, I can do that, but... You the, do it great. But it's not as much... That stuff drains me. Really? The stuff that that in, energizes me uh -huh. is that those conversations... One-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Hmm. Because you, you're always seeing something new that's... But there's, when you have like a large group of people, though, you get all these great ideas... Yeah, if it's an intentional practice, but when it's like just ruminate. A, yes, but when it's just a social gathering, that's when to me oh. that small talk, that upper level, which oh, is yes. important. That is a skill that yeah that people have to develop. Agreed. It's not. It, it's about our socialization. It, it, yes, it is a skill, it. and you have to do that at that level uh -huh. to sometimes create the opportunity for those deeper to conversations. To make them feel safe. Yes, so Agreed. I get it. Okay. Have we solved anything today? Uh, nope. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. All right. We will leave this podcast with an enigma. All right. The not knowing. <laughs> However, I do know this. What? That Manudia is a 
worship experience for your ear. It's totally different. We don't have a lot of the things that you would expect in a traditional worship. But we did that on purpose because we wanted to create something that you could listen to. No matter what you're doing, you could listen to this. And this could be your worship experience. The discussion, the monologue, the dialogue tends to be more head up. You know, this kind of the cerebral ideas. So at the end of this podcast, we will have, we'll add on a meditation. And I would encourage you sometime, if you don't have the time right now, if you're in a, uh, not in a good situation to be able to pause, but mark this and come back to it and use this meditation experience to dive into the mystery of the spiritual side of yourself. We look forward to seeing you next week as we begin again with Ruminate on that. Two weeks from today, we'll be on Monodia, and we'll be back here for that. No matter what you're going to do the rest of the day, stay safe out there and take care. Safety breathing. Safety breathing is a practice of sending our breath to our stomachs and our chests. Often when we are scared or nervous or even excitable, you may notice that our stomachs or chests can feel tight or jittery as if you were to have butterflies there. By sending intentional breath to both locations one at a time, it helps us to calm our feelings. So wherever you are, begin sitting straight up with both of your feet on the floor, arms uncrossed, and if possible, with your back against something so you feel supported. Now inhale slowly and deeply through your nose and send for the first half of your breath to your stomach, expanding your stomach out, and then send the second half of your breath to your chest. You should feel your chest rise. Now exhale powerfully through your mouth. Inhale slowly and deeply through your nose, and send the first half of that breath to your stomach. Continue that breath, sending the second half to your chest. Now exhale powerfully through your mouth. And when your mind wanders as it will, forgive yourself and return to the physical sensation of the breath. <laughs>